a guest of ours who we've spoken to before and someone who is one of the most outspoken religious leaders uh, in terms of the support of Israel and Jerusalem is with us live via telephone. Bishop Robert Stearns is the founder of Eagle's Wings uh, and serves as its executive director. We had the uh, really the pleasure of um, a meeting uh, Bishop Stearns down in Washington at a wonderful event that took place a couple of years ago. And I am uh, thankful that we've been able to keep up a relationship. And uh, in addition to that, uh, thankful that... Um, he and those that he work with that he works with continues continue to um, exhibit such amazing public support for Israel. Bishop Stearns, welcome back to JM in the AM. Well, Bokatov, as they say now, <laughs> it's great to be here and great to be with your fam, your listeners, and uh, I'm a I'm a big fan. So good to be with you today. I appreciate that, Bokatov, to you. I hope the new year has been treating you well so far. So far, so good, my brother. Absolutely. You know, there's so many things to discuss, and uh, as we know, and you know this better than anybody, Israel is always a target uh, for so many reasons um, uh, of so many around the world, and it seems we're always fighting some type of battle. The last time you were on, we had an opportunity to speak about BDS, uh, to talk about um, attempts in the religious community. Um, by certain groups to boycott Israel, and obviously in the academic community, it seems to be you know uh, the number one topic of the day. How would you say we've made progress? If you if you'd agree that we have made progress in this area over the last few months, do you feel the BDS um, uh, efforts are are somewhat uh, less powerful than they were, or this battle is stronger than ever? Listen, it's such a strange time, isn't it? Because oh, it's yeah. kind of the best of times, worst of times. You know, you you feel like you take uh, two steps forward, then three steps back. Right. In, in some ways, I think the BDS movement um, has gotten a- any traction that it's gotten because perhaps we who oppose it have given it too much attention. Uh, you know, in a certain sense, I, I don't. Every day you hear of new companies that are joining with Israel. You hear of new alliances that are forming. There's a lot of good news out there, right? Mm-hmm. There's a lot of good news out there. But um, then you come across uh, certain aspects, be they uh, academic um, or otherwise, where you just scratch your head and you think, okay, we, we obviously are living in, in parallel universes here. Um I think that's happening around the world. I think we've got a, a, a real polarization happening here, globally. And that's why my, I advocate more than anything else, get people to Israel. Once you get people you know, in the land, on the ground, and they can see for themselves the reality of the Jewish state, we, we're having, uh, everything we, we're, we're having <clears throat> Bishop, I apologize, we're having terrible problems with this phone line. Uh, if you don't mind reconnecting with us, that would be amazing and wonderful, and I'd appreciate it, and I'm sorry about that. Uh, we're speaking to Bishop Robert Stearns. Uh, Eagle's Wings is the uh, is the organization that he leads, and uh, nobody has the connection to uh, Israel in the, uh, uh, in the religious community the way that he does, and I'm hoping that he'll reconnect in a moment. Uh, Bishop Stearns, are you there? 
I am. Oh, that, 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 that is a million times better, and I thank you for your patience with that. You know, it's funny. Before, before, we, before, before I ask that we get cut off, uh, the, the last thing you mentioned was travel to Israel and getting as many people as possible to see it up close and personal. This has been a real personal uh, um, um, uh, adventure for you because uh, I, I would, would, I, would it be accurate to say that your life changed once the physical land of Israel became an important part of your life? Well, it's, 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 that's, that's a huge understatement. I mean, there, everyone wants to use that phrase, right? Like, it changes your life, it changes your life. Right. There are very few things that literally can change your life like a trip to Israel. Israel is somehow the touchstone of not only <coughs> religious life, but your, your views on history, on global geopolitics, on human rights, uh, on values, all of these things somehow move from, you know, from black and white to color, mm-hmm. uh, you know, from 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 three G to five G. I mean, everything just changes once you're there, and so that's why we just so strongly advocate getting people to Israel and letting them see it firsthand. Our our current program, we're reaching out to young evangelical pastors whose parents and grandparents may have been real strong supporters, may have gone to Israel regularly, but that baton has not been passed to the next generation. And we see over and over again, once we get them to the land, once we get them there on the ground, everything changes and and a light switch goes on. And so that's why we've got to get people to Israel. You know, that's funny because you would think as as we get to the more current generations, travel so much easier and in some ways less expensive. You'd think that the the travel would just increase in someone's family. You're saying there are families out there, excuse me, of evangelical leaders whose previous generations spent more time in the Holy Land. I think that it's because... um, uh, you know, it's on everybody's bucket list. Everybody says, oh, yeah, I want to get there one right, day. Right. But these pastors who are in their 20s, they're in their 30s, they have this, they have this mental picture of kind of camels. <laughs> camels in the desert. They don't think of high-tech Tel Aviv. They don't think of the Israel today. And so they think to themselves, hey, maybe when I'm 60 or retired, I'll take a trip to the Holy Land. And we say, no, you've got to see Israel not only for what happened there in antiquity, not only for what happened there centuries and centuries ago, but for the miracles that are happening in Israel today. Nachum, if I can, I was just with a rabbi the other day, and we were talking about this, uh, this verse in Ezekiel. The prophet Ezekiel talks about a day when water will flow from Jerusalem, and this water is going to flow, and it'll even turn uh, salt water into fresh. That's the, the prophecy that comes. And then you look at today, what do you see? You see Israel's technology with the desalination. Yeah. I mean, this is a game changer. Miracles are happening all around us. We just have to open our eyes to see them. And the people who, um, the people who come into uh, discussions about Israel with predispositions, uh, with a, uh, either a tradition or a newfound uh, dislike of Israel, they, they never can see that. The, the positive aspects of what Israel brings to the world and uh, and the different things that Israel's doing that are making such you know game changing uh, um, you know events happen in this world they they refuse to see it they just can't be uh, they can't be exposed with such because they have such blindness to it and and we're right back to what we started with a few minutes ago which is that polarization which I think is fueled by the media yeah. in in a, in a horrific way 
Um, and, and listen, anti-Semitism is not rational. You know, anti-Semitism is a psychological disorder. Right. Uh, that you, there's no there's no rational understanding for anti-Semitism. Uh, it's it, it's a psychological disorder. We have to call it out for what it is, uh, and we have to uh, understand that the best way to inoculate against it is to just get people to the land, let them meet Israelis, let them see what Israel does, and it absolutely is a game changer for folks. Uh, and so we're we're so you know to go back to your original question. Yes, I'm concerned. Uh, I'm especially concerned about um, uh, aspects where people are trying to rewrite theology and, and rewrite history. But I think that there's enough solid potential out there that if we can just turn the light switch on and get people there, get them connected, uh, it, it, it's a game changer. When your uh, when you're pastors and ministers that you invite from around the country to participate in these trips, when they... When they go ahead and do so, are, are they able to come back and, and, and form their own journeys with their congregations? Do, do they come back and bring tens, if not hundreds, uh, of people and their families to Israel with them? One of the statistics that we're most proud of, uh, we've brought over 300 pastors so far. We scholarship them. We underwrite the trip right. uh, through the generosity of our donors. Right. Uh, our current statistic is that over almost 50% within 18 months, bring back a mission from their church. So you go from a pastor having never gone before, never connected to Israel, to he goes back and he brings his own group within 18 months, and there's others who, you know, who go past the 18-month mark, etc. And every time you do that, Nahum, what happens is you're planting that Israeli flag in the heart of that local church, because once a church takes one trip to Israel, they're going to take another and another and another. Because, it, you know, it's, it's addictive. Uh, <laughs> once people are in the land, they want to go back. We were, so act- we, have, we were actually conjecturing how many trips you've made, but I think you actually lived there for a while, am I right? I've lived there twice. Right. Uh, I've had the privilege of living in the land twice, and I, I stopped counting about a hundred <laughs> times. Because uh, I, I think I think I'm a I think I'm a big shot with the number of, tri- of trips we take. It's nothing compared to you. <laughs> I'll, I'll be in Israel three times this month. <laughs> oh boy! <laughs> three oh, times. I leave I leave for Israel tomorrow afternoon. <laughs> amazing, absolutely amazing. Uh, will, will will this week's trip be with uh, with other religious leaders, or this is a more of a private journey? No. So I just came back from leading sixty pastors on our pastors trip. It was amazing. Wow. We had Ambassador David Friedman with us. Nice. Uh, it was an incredible, incredible uh, time. Uh, tomorrow I'm leaving for Israel. I will be speaking. I'm one of the keynote speakers uh, at an event called the Global Christian Media Summit, which is sponsored by the uh, Prime Minister's Office, and it brings together leaders, uh, Christian leaders from media all over the world. So. Dozens and dozens and dozens of nations, uh, Christian journalists, Christian television producers, uh, those who are in all forms of media, getting them there uh, and letting them experience Israel firsthand. So I'm, I'm really blessed to be one of the keynote speakers 
uh, at that event that the Prime Minister's office is organizing. Yeah, the bulk of our listeners, as you know, are in the New York area. For some of them, it's going to be hard to believe that there is an effective global Christian media summit and market out there. But there are, as you can, <laughs> as you can attest, around this country and around the world, there are some very, very effective and large uh, Christian media outlets that are, uh, that are uh, uh, not only... Uh, doing, uh, you know, what they feel is important, but including in their agenda, love for Israel at the same time. Well, Nahum, you raise an interesting point, because what most people don't understand, and maybe what some American evangelicals don't want to admit, is that the epicenter of evangelicalism, I believe, is no longer America. Uh, The epicenter of evangelicalism is now Asia, Latin America, and Africa. Uh, Last week I was in South Korea. South Korea is now 30% evangelical. Uh, I preached at the largest church in the world last week in Seoul, Korea, Yoido Full Gospel Church, 800,000 members in one local church. They have a a sanctuary that seats 40,000. They have 18 services over a weekend. Did you preach in English? You preached in English? No, I preached in English. Yes, I preached in English. But uh, you see this love for Israel. If you go to Israel right now, the streets are filled with uh, with Chinese. Right. Uh, the evangelical. There's over a hundred million evangelicals in China. Uh, if you are an Israeli guide who speaks Mandarin, you have incredible job security right now. <laughs> right, that's because right. <laughs> yeah, there's just they can't find Mandarin speaking guides. So Korea, China, Brazil. I'm going to Brazil in February. Uh, Brazil now has 70 million evangelicals in the nation of Brazil. They make me look, you know, uh, lame in my support of Israel. These the, the Brazilians are crazy for Israel. Israeli flags everywhere, constantly getting on planes and heading over there. So the Jewish people and the Jewish state has friends all over the world. Global Christian Zionism, we have to remember, as a movement, is only about 35 or 40 years old. Right. Right? right. Like the modern Zionist movement, we can trace back to Basel in right. 1897. Mm-hmm. So you've got, you know, you've got, uh, what is that, 125 years. Right. Uh, modern Christian Zionism, I would argue, really launched with the launch of the Christian celebration of the Feast of Tabernacles, which just is, I think this is its 39th year. So we're finally getting our act together. We're catching up with you guys in terms of organization <laughs> and, and knowing how to be effective. Um, but Israel has incredible friends around the world. We stand with you unconditionally. Uh, we stand with you wholeheartedly. Nothing will ever separate us from Israel or the Jewish people. And uh, so I believe there's great days ahead. Well, it's one of the reasons that we love having you on. I think it's important for this audience to know that there are some very important friends out there. And as you say, uh, you're you're just getting uh, you know your, your foothold in after 39 years, and I think our community is starting to get used to it as well. You know, it, it takes a long time for the Jewish community to actually believe they have friends out there. <laughs> so we're, we we also need to be reminded as often as possible. Listen, this is a conversation 2,000 years in the making, right? I mean, we're, you know, we should stop and do a Shechayinu right now, <laughs> because for 2,000 years we haven't had a conversation like this. No question about but, it. Baruch Hashem, it's happening now, and, uh, and we're going to learn, we're going to grow, we're going we're to make some mistakes, there'll be a little speed bump here and there, uh, but we're going to get it right, and Israel is going to be the Or HaGoyim uh, that Isaiah said it would be, and Jerusalem will dwell, please God, 
Israel Hashem, in peace and security and safety. Amen to that. Bishop, thank you. Good luck this week in Israel, and thanks so much for these conversations. It's much appreciated. Nachum, you're the best. You do a great service, not only to the Jewish community, but to all of us. And uh, so continue on. Chazak Vayamat. Thank you so much. There he is, uh, Bishop Robert Sturds, Eagles Wings. He's heading back to Israel. And like I say, it's important we hear this message as often as possible. And remember, there's some very, very important friends of ours that are on the front lines. Not all of us are on the front lines, but they're important friends of ours around the world who are on the front lines in the battle for Israel. More coming up. You're listening to a, a Thursday morning edition of JM in the AM.